0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I'm joined by Will Muirden. How is it going this evening, Will? It's going
1: all right, my friend. It's doing all right. We're uh, rolling along here.
0: We are rolling along. It is the 19th of July. Normally, at this kind of point in the year, we would be getting into team previews, I suppose, and then looking into, well looking forward to the end of August, which is now the new, new start of the week zero, 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 whatever they call it these days of college football. So it would sort of only be five or six weekends away, and we would really be starting to gear up. The The end of winter, we've passed through the solstice, the the warmer days are coming, the longer days are here already, and we would be starting to ramp up to college football season 2020, but unfortunately, that is not going to happen
1: well no not not at that point in time anyways and not as we know it so there's certainly everything up in the air at the moment we are not really cracking ahead with the conference previews as previously planned i think we're going to hold off a little bit until we know what conference play is going to look like what the college football landscape looks like all of that uh so yeah it's it's all a bit weird and unknown at the moment
0: yep Uh, and as a result, kind of today's episode is a bit of an update, I suppose. We're going to touch on a few things newsworthy. Uh, We'll also hit on some things philosophically, uh, politically, uh, socially, economically, uh, in terms of kind of dissecting where COVID has taken us uh, from one angle. And then secondly, also, we're going to have a look at three things that we would change about college football and I'll get into that and we'll get into that into more detail but let's start off with a little bit of news because well why not and firstly there's I guess a bit of news starting to come out again like always it's it's getting leaked out pretty slowly in dribs and drabs but the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have both cancelled their non-conference slate of games which had, as always, some really, really good matchups, but those are now off the table, and it appears that the SEC, the ACC, and who's the other one? I'm forgetting the Big Twelve will probably follow suit. Uh, yet to be decided, but uh, certainly those two conferences in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not going to be playing their non-conference slates. The Ivy League was the first kind of big league to pull out of fall sports altogether and certainly their football season um what other news do we have stanford has
1: before you go on i mean that's the first crushing blow for this football season i mean we saw it it was on the cards we, we knew it was coming around but that's the first one we've really seen that we know this is it's going to impact our season now. And I was really looking forward to some of those matchups and to see that kind of fall off the board, know that that's going away and now know that, you know, we've got three conferences who are still open and that's a best case scenario has has really kind of put a damper on everything because it's going to be weird from here on out. We're, we're not going to have a normal season. It, it's it's going to be a strange situation for all the players involved for all the fans for everything so i'm really hoping we can still salvage something out of this year but yeah that that sign there is the first of a few i'm sure we're going to see that is is really concerning
0: yeah and, and america's just in a mess and continues to be so you know if you're listening from uh, australia or any other part of the world America, I think you said had their highest amount of cases. Yeah, two you days ago. Those cases two days ago. So
1: sixty-six thousand in a day. So they're still climbing there. It's terrifying.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, as we continue to push forward in this uh, and and drop a little bit of news, Stanford, this isn't particularly new this sort of came out a couple of weeks ago but Stanford has canceled all of their sports apart from football so this is a school that's got a pretty prestigious particularly volleyball program but certainly also basketball um, soccer lacrosse or you know all of the sports that they're going to be involved with and I, I, I would assume that they would be in the vicinity of 10 to 10 11 12 varsity teams competing on a yearly basis are not going to be doing that this year and the only one that is exempt from those cancellations is football i think you um, need to have uh,
1: 16 as a minimum to be a uh did one program i believe you oh, is that correct is it yeah
0: and look at yeah. you wow wow look at you knowing things Ten- actually stanford tennis is really good actually i do know that their tennis program is really strong so um anyway so they're kind of you know They've taken a back seat. And that is a bit of an insight into a bit of a problem with college football. And we're seeing this in this COVID update. And whilst we want college football to go ahead, uh, we also care a lot about the health and well being of programs, coaches, players, all that sort of stuff as well. And this is clearly an indication that college football is a money spinner. Because if it wasn't, it would be pulled straight up and it would just be no hassle no worries but because it is the cash cow for a lot of those other sports or for all of those other sports it is the one and only sporting uh, endeavor that is financial for these schools often dealt with independently from the educational sector of those institutions it then shows i guess a little bit of the dark side of College football and, and and what it's all about and the fact that money is starting to dictate and influence and overrule, I suppose, the health and well being of its athletes, which is a scary place to be in, but we're heading down that path.
1: Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and that is a real concern. I mean it's it's no surprise to anyone that football rules the sporting landscape in America and college football is well known to support like entire athletic programs. So the, the football department is the only one that's bringing in the money. And then that funds the ability to have all of the other programs, all of the other coaches, all of the other, you know, equipment, everything there is funded through the football program. So there is that side of it that is certainly being brought into play here where you just hope that, you know, these dollar decisions don't come into what, is a, a health thing that we, we need to be worrying about first and foremost so it's yeah it's, it's one of those ones that just every day we, we learn something new something changes something gets worse something looks like it's getting better it, it, it's something that needs to continue to be monitored but the the football side of it you'll see you know the, the Big 12 SEC and ACC were not immediate to jump down that path because of that that dollar figure so I know you were talking about off air before we jumped in. There's something like $160 million is the value of the non-conference games that are played in the college football landscape. And that money is more often than not uh, kind of super important to the smaller programs playing against the bigger guys. Those are their money games. And, you know, you know, you go, you think you're a New Mexico State or something and you're going up against a heavyweight like Alabama or something. You think, you know, why, why do they sign themselves up for it? Money. They get a hell of a lot yeah. of money in making their team available for that one. And I, I read a report that New Mexico State are saying that with their two non-conference games being cancelled, they'll miss out on $2.1 million that they would expect to generate from those two games. And that's a huge amount of money for a, a smaller-time school for that. And and, and the athletic director is saying, without that money, we, we can't move ahead with an athletic program. We could fire our entire staff uh, within the athletic department and we wouldn't make $2.1 million back. So it has a real impact there. It, it impacts lives, it impacts jobs. And it's just going to be super fascinating to see how this all plays out because those games... Are gone in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. They're talking about makeup games potentially with the leagues that are still willing to play it. But the numbers are not getting any better. And until that happens, we're we're not on a path where we can think, oh yeah, you know, we can have these games fill in. If if it continues to get worse, it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, and and I guess there's a couple of factors in play here, and and for a lot of Australians, we probably don't understand the economics behind college football, but certainly these paid games that these smaller schools go up against are the lifeblood for their particular institutions. And without them, they might have a revenue of, like you said, 2.1 million for New Mexico State. They may only bring in about 4 million a year in total. Now, if you compare that, we often talk about the Michigans, the Texas, the Alabama's the Tennessee's the Florida's of the world the heavy hitters you know what they'll probably make money Ohio State they'll probably make money this year anyway regardless even if they don't play a season I mean they probably will lose a bit but they've got the insulation there and the boosters and the finance to to you know weather that storm Texas brings in I believe about 225 million dollars in revenue a year Compare that to a New Mexico state, they just do not have the funding to be able to withstand this. And the big concern for me is that actually we lose some of these programs. These programs cannot withstand such tumultuous circumstances in this. And no one predicted this, obviously, but it then leads on to this idea around football and money and, you know, without going too political, but capitalist growth, which was. You know, college football exists and will continue to exist and thrive under the system maintaining itself. However, when there's a spanner thrown in the works like this year, that growth is not there anymore. Uh, it's been completely gutted from these programs and all of a sudden, your you know, your New Mexico states, your Arkansas states, your, you know, whoever else it is, those Idaho's, your, you know, Northern Illinois, although they're probably okay. But, you know, all these programs that are on the fringes that live, I guess, in a pay packet to pay packet existence can't, you know, ride the storm out and they're not going to be able to. And that brings with it a lot of concern. And this simple event, I say simple event, it's quite a you know (laughs) calamitous tumultuous and a complicated (laughs) event significant event can you know heavily influence what college football looks like into the future and that is where a lot of my concerns lies for these smaller schools that aren't able to withstand it because when you know jimmy and joey smith decide to you know take their engineering future to whoever, Toledo or Georgia Southern, and that's what they want to do, then good on them. And they want to be able to cheer their football program or they want to be able to go in there and, and support but they're not going to be able to do that now. And it we often think about these big heavy hitting schools as, you know, preparation for the NFL and that's all these players are there for. But for majority of college football, that's not the case. These guys are there as a side piece to their education. It is not the center point and this side piece is going to be completely taken away and you know that's a it is disappointing and and it why it does worry me for the existence of college football and unfortunately as always in capitalist environments the rich are going to get richer they're able to insure themselves against the storm weather the storm and then monopolize on the other end which is a bit of a concern so You know, I I do worry. Anyway, let's move on. The last probably little bit of news is that the SEC have said that players can choose to opt out of season 2020 if they so choose. uh, And in doing so will maintain uh, their scholarships, so those scholarships will still be honored. If they choose not to play football, they will still receive um, tuition and boarding and a stipend and all those sorts of things that they would normally undertake. Training facilities, um, dining, all that sort of stuff will be covered, catered for and managed regardless of whether they choose to play or not, which to me is more of an optics thing. Uh, The SEC and college football have to be seen as being proactive and positive in this space and giving athletes and human beings, I guess, in general choice as to whether they can play or not. Because if they said that, oh, you must play for us to honor this, then obviously they're forcing the hand and saying that, well, they, they will have to play in a circumstance and situation that they ideally would not do. Uh, I don't know what this means. Not too much. I would say that a lot of players will choose not to sit out anyway. There's still NFL futures, and and for SEC players, a lot of those will have NFL aspirations. So, uh, you know, that's, a I guess, an, another direction that the SEC has taken. Any thoughts on that one, Will?
1: Yeah, I think that they didn't really have a choice on that one. Yeah, I mean, as you said, in the optics, if you could imagine – the, uh, any program who's saying to their players, "Oh, you have to play, or we're pulling your scholarship," it, it's it's a bad look on the national scale. It's a bad look in recruiting for for any future years on that. So they're doing right by the players. They kind of need to do that. Uh, so I'm I'm happy to see that, which is which is good. And yeah, let let's just hope that these guys get to play this year, and it's not kind of a, a wasted year on on the football front for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we'll address that in the future if it comes up that the season is cancelled and how scholarships will be managed and all that sort of stuff as well. But I think a key note as I do transition slightly here is this isn't the NFL. These aren't professionals. They're not getting paid to do what they do. The The programs are bigger. There's more players involved than on an NFL level. Uh, There's more staff involved potentially. And on top of that, they are existing and communicating and behaving, interacting with an entire university, you know, up to 100,000 or whatever students may exist on campus at one time this isn't the same as what it is here in Australia with rugby league or the AFL where a cases are minimal and B they can hide themselves in a little bubble and exist, you know, effectively isolated away from the rest of society. That can't happen in college football. It's too big. There's too many people involved and the education for them is, I guess, priority number one. So it's not like you can turn this into a professional environment and sit these players out of real life existence and just get them to play football. So, you know, that's another thing to consider as well on and on that front. I guess that kind of brings me to my next point is am I going to buy Game Pass this year? I haven't had it the last two years because the Bucks have been fucking terrible. But with Tom Brady in the building, um, you know, we've got one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL. Am I going to Pay $250 for Game Pass this year, will.
1: Absolutely. You're going to cough that up. The Bucks are back. They're challenging for the uh, uh, NFC South, is that you guys. Yeah,
0: goodbye, you. Goodbye, yeah, you.
1: So, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure, dude. You'll be all aboard. You'll be following more in the fantasy world, too, which is good. I'll be talking about players and you might actually know who they are this time.
0: Dude, so. I know the NFL. I know them. <laughs> I just don't really know how good they are in an NFL situation
1: yeah or a fantasy one but no you'll definitely be buying Mm. that okay all right let's move on
0: yeah let's do it okay so we i wanted to tap into i guess like i was thinking a little bit of like choose your own adventure we often talk about how much we love college football and and we do uh but I have become a little bit jaded, as you may or may not be able to tell from the the start of this particular episode around the growth financial side and the potential slavery side of college football. Um, And just kind of being able to discuss, well, what are three things that we would change about college football? I love it. I love the sport, but I feel like I'm heading down a road of a love-hate relationship like I do with the entirety of the United States of America. And that is that I want this product to be pure and clean and honest and what it was in the 1950s when you know, I guess Only discrimination was play? at its peak. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's not what I mean, but I guess um, you know, players played for their school, and they weren't mercenaries. You honoured and respected. You played for something. You, you know, that's what I want to see. And anyway, I won't. You know. Get I'll get off my soapbox now. But three things in college football that you would change. Will, kick us off with something. What is one aspect of the game, of the structure, of the governing of this particular sport that you may look to alter?
1: So you've asked me for three here, and I've gone three serious and three uh, more on the, the lighter side here. So oh, I'll, I'll lead off with my serious ones, and then we can have some fun with my other ones on the back end of this. Okay, but okay. the first one for me, which I do not understand, and if I had my way, I would change. Week fucking zero. What is that shit?
0: <laughs> okay. Don't
1: give me a week zero. Do not... Like week one this year was supposed to start at the end of August and then finish something like on the 9th of August. But that doesn't make any sense. How does it run The 9th run of for... September? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it run for like 10 days? It's supposed to be week one. Like it's, it's stupid. Just have it start at that point and if like you don't want the big programs planned that's fine they kick off on week two or just have everyone start a week one like i just i don't like it Doesn't make sense uh give us like a blockbuster matchup like we get in the afl with uh richmond and carlton every year <laughs> give us one of those to kick off the season and But seriously, Um, like, come
0: on. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's spiraled into that money spinning world, hasn't it? Week one was always they had the kickoff games, and there would always be big matchups. And then um, I don't know who like Colorado, Colorado State always play really early. I think they always, you know, have that kick early. And then it sort of has turned into this bit of like they still have got like the kickoff classic, which happens technically in week one. Correct, not week zero. But by that stage, there's probably been like twenty games already been played. Yeah, and before that kickoff game even happens, like a lot of
1: non-power five teams going up against it, and like you're starving for it, so you're keen to watch it. But give us give us a marquee matchup, like off the bat, to get get into. Don't don't give us kind of like these trial match warm-ups. Yeah, it's kind of
0: like a it's it's a bit like a rolling start of college football. It is the first game you get is. is like ball state versus bowling green i mean like, last I'm, year I'm, i
1: think one of them was byu hawaii and that was one of the best matches i watched all year so I like <laughs> i probably need to be a bit careful because i really enjoyed that one but yeah oh, yeah do it better
0: all right I think it well me f- for me um yeah I, I agree mine's less simple i suppose and i, I i've I've spoken about it earlier. I don't know how this exists. I don't have a game plan, but I guess I just want a little bit of, I'm gonna roll my two things into each other actually, so I can push through this a little bit quicker, but one and two for me, bit of money equality. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how it looks. Um, I think I just want to make sure that, like we spoke about earlier, that these smaller schools can continue to exist and buffer against uh, any kind of crazy situations like have existed this year do I want us to do I want this to turn into a communist existence or full taxation where we disperse wealth no that's not what I'm after here I understand and appreciate that Texas Michigan Ohio state Alabama um Clemson are going to exist as the bigger powerful financial institutions but I want to believe that if I support Georgia state or North Texas that we have a genuine chance you know, or Oregon State or whoever, that we have got a genuine chance at some stage to at least win our conference. Um, And maybe that doesn't come around very often, but at least once every kind of four or five years, the financial gap between those two, between those that that top and bottom is somehow uh, managed or somehow negated to a point where, you know, you cannot just blow people away financially or blow ball clubs away financially and I think that starts with which is point number two is a coaching salary cap now a lot of our coaches particularly in the southeast you look at Nick Saban, I believe Nick Saban is the highest paid government employee in the state of Alabama it would not surprise me if that extends to Kirby smart in Georgia to Dan Mullen in Florida they are getting paid in the squillions of dollars. Ed Orgeron in LSU would, in Louisiana, would be exactly the same as well. And these guys are getting paid so, so much. I would like to see a salary cap put on that, not only for the sanctity um, of college football, but just from a human perspective as well. I, I don't know that college football coaches are, you know, the most important human beings in their state, Uh, And maybe that can be evened out a little bit or certainly some of that money can go elsewhere. So therefore, the arms race around coaching can be part of that first step in uh, a bit of financial equality across college football.
1: Yeah, I disagree with you on that one. I, I like that the best coaches get paid the big bucks. I mean, this is a huge industry that we're talking about, and there's only an elite few who are on these these mammoth contracts. I mean, across the board, they, they're, they're certainly looked after. A Div 1 head coach uh, has certainly got a reasonable salary, but there's not a huge amount of these top-end ones. And if we talk about the dollars that they're making in the scheme of what the overall program spends, I still think it's fairly insignificant. I do tend to agree with you on the first part, that I would like to see more financial fair play across it. I don't know how that works without totally, no. totally kind of compromising what college football is now. And I'd and be interesting whether it's caps on spending and, you know, programs that have all this money, finding ways to invest it in, the student side of this whole deal, like uh, kind of directing more of the attention to that rather than the, the football side of it. But I so would
0: that- argue that they probably do like, like, in terms of supporting their student athletes, maybe not going and supporting the the school of medicine or whatever, but they certainly go and support their student athletes with tutoring and and mentoring and you know yeah, different one-on-one right. one on one, pieces yeah, but...
1: to, to get them what they need. So the, yeah, it's I don't, I don't know the answer for it. I would like to see that. Like if if we're talking these hypotheticals here, certainly I would like to see that gap closed a little bit. I would like it to. You know, not be that only six teams can win the national championship, uh, which I feel like that's where we're at. Uh, only, you know, two or three teams can win a conference in any given year. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't know the answer in, in how that happens.
0: Neither do I. I think it's uh college football is the ultimate reflection of the society we live in, I think, and, and and that makes it really, really tough. But it's interesting you say that, you know, the the head coaches should get paid what they get paid, you know, in the in the range of four to six million dollars, which is where those those top guys are at. But then you look at strength and conditioning coaches, you look at assistant coaches, which are in the realms of 600,000 upwards over a million dollars and and you believe clearly that those coaches are worth that kind of money as well um and that not only that you say you want some money equality but and it's a small percentage in terms of the overall earning of a of a college but surely we must be able to find a better way to distribute that 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 income and you know be able to share that to increase not only the product on the field but also the existence and experience for lots of different humans i'm not saying go and donate that all to charity or anything like that but are you honestly telling me that having you know seven ps5s instead of one xbox in a player's suite is really the big difference for that or like 18 led screens or You know, whatever the case may be for those players and that football program, there's got to be, it it feels like college football programs are spending money because it's there and they need to spend it for the top end guys because they are probably, I don't know all the economics of it, but they're probably non-for-profit, which means they have to spend what they bring in. So, as a result, they just start dumping it into crazy um, massage couches for the offensive line and is that really the best way to kind of dish this cash out
1: yeah you kind of lost me halfway through there so like on the coaching side of it the the last one i will say to that is that the, it does act as like a beacon of hope though for a lot of aspiring people out there like there's a hell of a lot of people who want to be a coach and then they think that they can make it and they can be that one making six million a year it's very lo- unlikely, yeah. But but it is a motivating factor for them to rather than kind of pack it in on their dreams because that's you know it's, it's a desirable thing that they want to be involved in. Rather than packing in on that and taking a job perhaps that they don't want, they fight through it. They fight through to try and get to that, and then they land up as a high school coach making a wage enough to support their family. Not that that dream, but because they had that motivating thing at that you know when when they were starting out, it, it saw them through to, to be able to do that. Same with strength and conditioning coaches and stuff like that. Because these opportunities exist, people see it as a viable future for them. It might it may not like it's very unlikely that they ever get to that point. But it's a motivating thing for them to continue to do what they love that then leads into whatever else they end up falling into in life. And, and I'm all for that. I like people kind of going for their dreams. And, and that's what this sport's all about. We enjoy it. That's why you want to be involved in it. And you try to get as, as far in that place as you can and then, you know, fall somewhere, hopefully not too far away from that with, with what you end up doing in life.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, this yeah, I mean this conversation can go around in circles, I suppose, <laughs> and lots of people are going to get fucking bored of it. So let's move on. What okay. is the next thing that you would like to change about college football?
1: I, I've been a big proponent of this. I would like to expand the playoff. Bring it out to okay. eight. I think eight, eight is good. Uh, I think I've kind of said how I would like it structured up where we would have uh, five uh, conference champions, we would have one spot guaranteed for the uh, non-Power 5 schools. So the group of five schools would be selected and we would have two at-larges that can come from anywhere. And we would play it that way. I think that would kind of throw things up a bit more, uh, get a little bit more variability towards the end of the year. You might not have such a monopoly at the top because there'd be the Cinderella stories who are running hot and confidence is a hell of a thing when you're a 20-year-old man. So... Yeah, I'd like to see that. I think it'd be good for the sport, and I'm really hoping one day we'll get there.
0: Yeah, I just don't want to see the college football playoff, and that is my take on it. I'm not going to go into the depths of of that too much. I, I don't think that playing extra games and and playing, uh, you know, more high profile games is going to be conducive to the Cinderella story making it through. Uh, I think if you know if you have to face a you know, continually highly resourced, highly funded with elite player program, three consecutive weeks. The small school's never gonna hold up. So um, I still don't agree with the college football playoff. I would rather see more teams have more success, enjoy winning their conference, go and play in bowl bids and go and win a national championship for sure. But let's not get hung up on this playoff because if you lose week one, to Central Michigan. I'm not saying that has ever happened to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I don't think it was week one, but if that ever happened, it puts you out of the race and I'm not really that interested in that. Anyway, moving on. Um, I would like to see, I think, I haven't fully thought this through, but I would like to see that if a student uh, declares for, a student athlete declares for the draft and they don't get taken in the first four rounds, they can choose to return to school. However, if they do return to school, they must complete their degree before re-entering the draft if they so choose. So, this is, I guess, supporting the student athletes, supporting the decision-making process of 20, 21-year-old kids who maybe, You know i guess pull the trigger on something that doesn't quite work out for them and then are left with not a whole heap Uh, i think this is an opportunity for players to have a little bit of insurance against uh, any wrong decision making that that can be made now the way i guess i kind of think about this is i want something that's good for the players into their future because we know that with only a small percentage of college football players go on to play in the NFL for one for two coaches athletic directors um whoever else in administration have got a lot of years to make money they've got a lot of bad decisions that they can make um they've got a lot of schools that they can potentially access and float around to uh and over the course of 20 30 40 years they can receive and be part of uh, an effective, I guess, existence and, and make suitable money. A 20 year old kid may make a decision that is wrong, that therefore costs them a shot at the NFL and a shot at their education, and then they're left with nothing. And they've got no ability to recoup on any of that, to then rechange some of their direction. Uh, and I would like to see the players have a little bit more insurance.
1: Yeah, I I like it. I think where this one gets hairy is the fact that you lose a lot of your amateur eligibility the moment you declare through signing an agent, through the perks that are associated with that, with potential deals that get signed on there. So you'd really need to tighten up what can and can't happen in that space whereby, you know, if you are signing with an agent, because you don't want to disadvantage these kids by not having them the ability to do that, to guide them through mm-hmm. this process. If you are doing mm-hmm. that, there needs to be some sort of cap on that or limit and... Well, maybe, yeah. the,
0: maybe the NFL looks at that or not the NFL as such because obviously they would have a vested interest, but a third party manages uh, college players coming out of college and into the NFL because effectively, um, until they're drafted, there's no, and, and I know this happens in America ahead of ahead of the time, but maybe none of those negotiations can occur in terms of um, endorsements and things like that cannot occur until they're drafted, because yeah, the so only negotiation system, yeah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, what negotiations happen? Like, there's no contractual obligations really anymore because of. The rookie pay scale that exists within the NFL no, draft,
1: but you will find agents lobbying for you. They're they're kind of getting you in front of teams. They're promoting you as a player. Mm. So you you know you're, you're signing with that agent for a certain amount of money, uh, and the, and the agency obviously will benefit from you if you, if you shoot up and become a good player. So it, it works both ways. I think that just becomes a, a really interesting I think that's, point.
0: I think that's manageable though.
1: Okay, what, what I did like, though, your caveat to a player, if they do decide to come back, needs to get their degree because that mm. kind of gets rid of the whole as soon as everyone's eligible, they just declare because they yeah. know that they can come back. They declare, they sign an agent, they get 10 grand or whatever the kickback is and they go, oh, it never happened for me, cool, I go back. There, there yeah. is kind of a, a clear ramification to say, we, we, you know, it is as it is now, but... Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out for you. You've got another avenue open for you, essentially. Yeah,
0: And that's that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah.
1: I like that. Um, All right. For me, real selfish here, but player likeness being (laughs) utilized in video games specifically. uh, I I can't see how in the year 2020 where the whole world is falling apart, we still haven't been able to fucking manage this. Uh, This is still (laughs) an issue. That, you know, everyone on the goddamn planet who's ever picked up the game wants to be able to play it, but we can't. And the players themselves would love to. So I, I think there's an answer there. I feel like there's a, all the players get PS5s. Like PlayStation, come to the party, give everyone a PS5. Uh, <laughs> That's players like
0: thousands. Can... That is thousands of those things.
1: It is. It is. So there's, a, there's an, an outlay. But I think, like, once <laughs> you've got it that first year, you don't get another one. I don't know what the deal is, but... <laughs> i'm sure they're making plenty from the game uh i'll chip in too to help fund this as long as i can get the game back um i i'd I'd really like to see this happen and then players can opt out so if if ed o'bannon is back and he's not interested because you know he's more of an xbox guy so he doesn't want the playstation then they can opt out but i want it to be like a tricky process to get out it's not it's not you know just a simple tick this box and you're not in the game, you, you really need to jump through some moves to get yourself back out of that game.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, nasty. Obviously, I want the game back. I think there was an interesting point and suggestion that was made, put forward by the NCAA and that is that players cannot receive any uh, reimbursements for their likeness And this is not game related, but for any other advertisements or endorsements or things they have uh, been a part of in order to earn some cash while they're at uni uh, or at college. Uh, And that is that they actually need to be uh, involved and completed a semester of college from an educational standpoint, which I think is a really nice point to have in because you therefore reduce the risk of players just getting paid as soon as they sign that letter of intent they could be all over making money already drop out of college you know whatever the case may be Um, i know it's not in their interest to do that but there is a little bit of a concern that that would become the priority and they don't actually get a chance to settle into college life so i actually didn't hate that suggestion but um that's just another consideration yes of course
1: I like that. And I also like the idea that you potentially pay it out upon finishing your time with the school. Actually, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever that may be. like Just so a lump sum. Yeah, correct. So it's kind of held in uh, an account for you and then it's made available. So then you don't have these kids like rolling into an educational institution in like, you know, pretty fancy cars and whatnot. It, yeah, because that uh,
0: doesn't happen right now. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. But I just I just feel like, you know, you, you're going to have a better chance of that money being better spent at the back end of your college education than when you're in your college years enjoying yourself. I, I just feel like you might be spending a bit of that in ways that you probably shouldn't.
0: They might even know. teach them about saving. Gee, we're real adults <laughs> now, aren't we? We are
1: grown up. Look at us go.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, take us through some of these more humorous okay. ones because this may go down as one of the driest episodes in the history of college football down yeah, under. Yeah, well, so we're definitely going to let's... need
1: to recommend people kind of skip forward. I think we've been all right on the back half you, but early on,
0: I think <laughs> yeah, I was, was on the knot a... a bit. <laughs> it was tough sledding. Anyway.
1: All right, uh, so next one I think is a good idea uh, and I'm not huge on like physics and science. It was never really my strong point, but... What I'm not big on is these weather delays that we have in some games because of <laughs> lightning storms. So if there's ever lightning in an area, they'll pull all the players off the field, make sense. they got metal helmets on, don't want them getting struck by lightning. Shit's dangerous. All the fans kind of need to go in and under the stadium. And they can wait for up to like six hours while they yeah, wait yeah. for this thing to pass. What I think we need installed at all of these campuses is like a massive erect pole. <laughs> like a really, really big lightning rod so that any lightning in the area is is sucked to that pole rather than than potentially going to the stadium. And then you just play on. You just know. And then, like, I'm thinking, I'm feeling a bit trumpy here with these sorts of outlandish. <laughs> so I'm thinking that you could use the electricity that hits it to, like, do good. So that that's generating, you know energy for the campus as well it's, it's lighting up the bars for that night
0: mate I think if you can harness lightning like you can power the entirety of like the southern states well for let's like get it three done. months like,
1: let's yeah. Get it done.
0: yeah and obviously you let college students design the aesthetics of those lightning rods as well. well
1: correct each team can come up with their own rod <laughs> and uh, they can add as many decorations or veins to it as they wish, and I think it would be brilliant. So I'm just throwing that out there. I think I think that would be a good one. Um, okay. the, the next one, I think the coin toss is a bit meh. Nah. I think we could do better. Okay. I, think, I think the coin toss is kind of thrown around most sports. It's a bit generic. I think what college football has that's quite unique uh, at that level is like a blend of cheerleaders who are quite athletic on both sides of the field. So I would like to see as like... Something sacrificial,
0: I feel like. Well, not
1: so much sacrificial. Let's let them play it out on the field. Let's have the two cheerleading teams go head-to-head in like an overtime-style matchup, whereby the winner of that gets to pick what they want to do as if they'd won the coin toss. It's played like pre-game as the fans are filing into the stands. You can get there and, and watch the cheerleaders go out. it. Seems like fun to me. I don't know.
0: I can just imagine Nick Saban like spraying his cheerleaders for losing the toss.
1: I just want to see him in the room of some like 300-pound uh, cheerleader, female cheerleader who he's signing to sit <laughs> on the line yeah. for this. And he's like talking to her parents, saying, "You yeah, know, yeah. Oh, she can come cheer for us." I, I don't know. I, I think. Okay. I think there's there's something that can be done with with the uh, the toss, so I like that. Well,
0: I think your suggestion can probably be about a plan D or E. So let's go on to next.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, last one I've got for us is let's let's up the stakes on the kicking game, and let's give two points. If you can doink it in. <laughs> so if you can hit one of the crossbars or the base bar and it goes in, you get two points.
0: I think it has to be more than that. Like that you've got to hit that on the inside. There's no way kids are taking risks enough to hit the inside of the post. I mean you could double doink it like your boy at wasn't that a don't, Chicago don't, thing yeah, as well? <laughs> Don't do that. Um, But you you, like, there's a lot of risk involved. I think like you could easily slide it to the outside, like half an inch, Charlie, half an inch on the other side, and it would have been in
1: on the extra point because like extra point point, you're quite close. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking two points there, and
0: of it, your angles are better. But I just remember like Emilio Estevez in in the Mighty Ducks, and he was like half an inch half an inch and it would have gone in. It's like, well, half an inch the other way, you would have missed completely. And, that's you good. know, that's, that's the good. real risk. That's my
1: go-to bedtime story when I've got the little one saying, tell me a story, Dad. I just, like, recite Mighty Ducks from, like, start to finish and she's she's normally out by the time that uh, he's Triple Deacon. Big Charlie Conway is out there, Triple Deacon. She's she's off, so it's a good one for me. I like uh,
0: that do you know who was a wet blanket in that?
1: Uh, Banks. Adam Banks.
0: Adam ba- yeah, he was. He, he was a little bit. Is, I don't know if he's a bad Gee. actor. I think his name was Guy, but they called him Guy in the show. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, good. Uh, some some Mighty Ducks talk there. So, well done, Coach Bombay. <laughs> One um, of the greats. Oh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't even a has-been. He was and never was. <laughs> uh he was a cake eater well that brings us to the end of an excruciatingly painful episode unless you've got anything else to add uh on this long 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 episode which feels like it's gone for about seven hours i don't know what's gone longer this episode or the entirety of the off season um but anything else for us william
1: no i think we We'll hope for good news now. So everyone, go away. Uh, do your best to stay out of trouble from a COVID sense. If you need to uh, be steering clear of other people, please do it. If you need to wear a mask, oh. please do it. Whatever it is, just do whatever you're being told to do at the moment. Because I mean, there's there's so much that relies on this, and college football is only a small part of it. It's a big part for us. We enjoy it. We want we want it back. So if uh yeah let's just hope that we can start to see some things swing in a positive direction and the next time we're getting together to chat about this we've got better news
0: yeah i mean like if if june and um you know robert down in in florida want to see uh seminoles hurricanes battle then we need you to wear your masks in walmart if that's okay um that's going to be a really really important thing for everyone to do so stay safe of course um please make sure you do follow us as i plug our show you're probably not going to want to do it after this but um You know, we'll continue with this self-deprecating notion around college football down under. But please make sure you do hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram at CFB Down Under. Uh, make sure you follow along. Hit subscribe on your pod capture of choice. Leave us a five-star review. They really do help. Um, leave us a comment or simply get in touch and say hi um, if there's nothing else, which I'm sure there isn't. And I go back to work tomorrow, which I'm really not happy about. Um, my alcohol consumption will decrease, which is probably a good thing for my liver. But on a side note, and completely unnecessarily, (laughs) on behalf of that guy up there in the Adelaide Hills, on behalf of myself, Aaron Kemp, thank you very much for joining us. My name's Aaron, that's Will, and we will see you next time.